The summaries this week contain two workers' compensation cases decided by the Arkansas Court of Appeals. In Slaughter v. City of Fayetteville, 2022, ARC App 139, the Arkansas Court of Appeals affirmed the full commission decision that because claimant did not receive treatment for a year, his workers' compensation claim for additional benefits was time-barred. It mattered not that payments were made within the time frame. Judge Kleppenbach wrote, Slaughter was working as a Fayetteville Police Patrol officer when, on March 10, 2004, the motorcycle he was driving was struck by a vehicle. He suffered an impact injury to his mid-back, a whiplash injury to his neck, and various abrasions. His workers' compensation claim was accepted as compensable, specifically including injuries to his spine at C34, C6T1, and T12. He received medical and disability benefits. His treatments included medication, imaging studies, clinic visits, neurology testing, physical therapy, spinal injections, one spinal surgery in 2006, and one spinal surgery in 2009. Slaughter continued to work until retiring in 2010, but his employer continued to pay for his related continuing medical treatment for years. Relevant to this appeal, Slaughter received facet joint injections into his thoracic spine on November 2, 2016 for the purposes of relieving back pain. Slaughter called the doctor's office in October 2017 to obtain another appointment for injections, but he could not get an appointment any sooner than December 7, 2017. He asked to be put on a cancellation list in case an earlier appointment became available, but he was never called. Slaughter continued to see his medical caregivers regarding his spine problems in 2018 and 2019, which Fayetteville's workers' compensation insurance carrier continued to pay. In mid-July 2019, however, at a clinic visit, Slaughter was told that the insurance carrier would no longer pay for Slaughter's medical care related to his compensable injuries. In response, Slaughter filed a claim for additional medical benefits on July 29, 2019. In resistance to Slaughter's claim, Fayetteville raised a statute of limitations defense and contended that there was a gap of more than one year in medical treatment between the November 2, 2016 and December 7, 2017 facet joint injections. Fayetteville argued that because the period between these two medical treatments exceeded one year, the statute of limitations barred any further medical treatment being the responsibility of the employer. Fayetteville also contended that any medical care that was provided after the statute of limitations had run did not revive the claim. Slaughter asserted that the insurance carrier did not actually pay for the November 2016 injections until mid-December 2016, and less than a year passed before he was again given spinal injections on December 7, 2017. Slaughter asserted in the alternative that the insurance carrier voluntarily continued to pay for his medical treatments long after those injections, so the statute of limitations was renewed or revived by the voluntary continued payments, which made his July 2019 claim timely. End of quote. In construing the applicable statute, Art Code and Section 119702B1, the majority reasoned the last payment of compensation means treatment and not payment, so it was time barred. The majority emphasized the statute's language, quote, 
time for filing additional compensation. In cases in which any compensation, including disability or medical, has been paid on account of injury, a claim for additional compensation shall be barred unless filed with the Commission within one year from the date of the last payment of compensation or two years from the date of the injury, whichever is greater. End of quote. The Court of Appeals looked to precedent. Quote, it is the furnishing of the medical service, not the payment therefore, which constitutes the payment of compensation. Heflin v. Pepsi-Cola Bottling Company, 244 ARC 195. The claimant is compensated by the furnishing of medical services and not by the payment of the charges therefore. Id, see also Plant v. Tyson Foods, Inc., 319 ARC 126. Lavica School District v. Hatfield, 2019 ARC at 360. In Ferris v. Express Services, Inc., 2019 ARC 141, our Supreme Court reaffirmed that the date of the last payment of compensation under Section 119702B means the date of the last furnishing of medical services. Nevertheless, Slaughter argues that the elementary principles of statutory construction require us to construe the statute according to its literal and plain meaning and hold that the date on which medical services are actually paid can constitute the payment of compensation for purposes of the statute of limitations. To accept Slaughter's argument would require that we depart from our Supreme Court's holding on this very issue. We are not at liberty to overturn a decision of the Supreme Court. See Osborne v. Beckert Corp., 97 ARC App 147, Cheshire v. Foam Molding Company, 37 ARC App 78. End of quote. The claimant argued, quote, there was no greater than one-year gap in workers' compensation benefits because the employer paid the bill for the November 2016 spinal injections in mid-December 2016, which was within a year of his next spinal injections in early December 2017. Slaughter argues that the actual last payment of compensation was the December 2016 payment for medical services. End of quote. Respondents prevailed on the argument that, quote, it is the furnishing of medical services, not the payment therefore, that constitutes payment of compensation regarding a claimant's medical benefits. Given our appellate court's interpretation of this statute, Fayetteville is correct. End of quote. Claimant also argued that continued payments by respondents revived the claim. Quote, Slaughter next argues in the alternative that the employer's continued payment for various medical service provided to Slaughter from 2017 to 2020 revived an otherwise defunct claim that was barred by the statute of limitations. We disagree. Payments by a workers' compensation insurance carrier to an employee do not have the effect of reviving any claim as to which the statute of limitations might have run with respect to the employer. Stated differently, gratuitous payment of benefits does not revive the statute of limitations on a claim that is already run. End of quote. Third, the claimant argued that estoppel barred respondents from raising the statute of limitations defense because the employer continued paying benefits after December 2017. This argument was not made below, so the majority declined to consider it. Chief Judge Harrison and Judges Abramson, Gladwin, and Vaught joined in the majority opinion. Judge Brown dissented, quote, 
The majority and the commission erroneously relied on Slaughter's November 2016 and December 2017 treatments in concluding that the statute of limitations had run for his claim. However, their reliance is misplaced for purposes of the statute because the only relevant dates for purposes of the statute are Slaughter's last treatment date, as held by Stewart v. Arkansas Glass Container, 2010, ARC 198, and the date Slaughter filed a claim with the Commission for additional benefits. Ironically, Slaughter received medical treatment several times in July 2019, including the day he filed his claim with the Commission. Therefore, the gap in Slaughter's treatment between November 2016 and December 2017 is not a bar to his receiving additional benefits since his claim with the Commission was filed well within a year of the last date he received medical services. End of quote. End of decision. In Planters Cotton Oil Mill, Inc. v. Newman, 2022, ARC App 144, the Arkansas Court of Appeals affirmed because a workplace injury aggravated an arthritic pre-existing condition and led to a total knee replacement. Judge Vaught noted an employer takes an employee as it finds them, and while there were different medical opinions by the same physician, it was within the province of the commission to weigh the evidence. Quote, The appellants initially accepted Newman's injury as compensable and paid certain medical and indemnity benefits. They terminated benefits on June 8, 2017. Newman initiated this action seeking additional medical treatment and temporary total disability benefits. The parties deposed Dr. Gordon on January 30, 2019. Dr. Gordon testified that the February 22, 2017 compensable injury had caused an exacerbation of osteoarthritis as part of his problem. He said, I thought his fall probably irritated his arthritis. Dr. Gordon also said that Newman had experienced fair results from his total knee replacement and was not yet at maximum medical improvement. End of quote. In concluding the additional benefits were proper, the court found the majority of the full commission is in the best position to weigh the evidence. Quote, It placed more weight on Dr. Gordon's initial finding that the injury exacerbated Newman's osteoarthritis than on the doctor's subsequent assumption that Newman's ongoing knee pain was not related to the compensable injury. To support this, the commission noted that Newman was not experiencing any active chronic knee pain prior to the injury, but he did experience a significant flare-up of his arthritis symptoms following the injury. In light of this evidence and Dr. Gordon's initial assessment, the commission found that the injury was at least a factor in exacerbating Newman's pre-existing osteoarthritis. End of quote. Looking to this record, the Court of Appeals added, quote, it is notable that Newman was not experiencing left knee problems immediately prior to his fall, and his doctors had not recommended a total knee replacement before his work injury. Therefore, we cannot say that reasonable minds could not reach the conclusion, as the Commission did, that Newman's compensable injury aggravated his pre-existing osteoarthritis. End of quote. End of decision.